I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio Greenwich. So good evening and welcome to Chartman Live here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. My name is Louis Mendes. Joining me in the studio here at the Valley as we look ahead to Saturday's League One tie with, uh, with Oxford United is Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Good, thanks, Louis. How are you? Yeah, good. First big match preview for you in a while? Yeah, a little while, but I'm back. Have you missed previewing big matches? I have, yeah. yeah. I've been reviewing. Well, I reviewed one. You reviewed one, but you haven't previewed it's any. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's no. a completely different kettle of fish, really, isn't it? Uh, on tonight's show, we're going to talk about uh, last night's meeting between the club owner Roland Duchatelet and some members of the Target 20k uh, group we're going to hear quotes from my source who was in the meeting uh, we're going to look back at Tuesday's encouraging goalless draw with league leaders Scunthorpe United we're going to hear from Russell Slade and from Kevin Foley we're also going to uh, hear what a local recommended I should get up to in the 8 hours I had to kill in Scunthorpe before the match uh, of course we're going to look ahead to this weekend's game at the Cassan Stadium uh, uh, against Oxford United including possibly the worst Charlton connection we've ever done and the worst we'll ever do, I think. Yeah, ho- ho- well, I don't know. <laughs> Let's not set our sights too high, That's shall true. we? Uh, right, so last night, um, as uh, as was leaked, it was leaked on Twitter, uh, which is the best place to leak all, all sorts of things, uh, there was a, a secret meeting between uh, the Target 20K group, uh, a group of fans who have uh, come together to try and work with the club and try and come up with ideas of how to um, get 20,000 through the door again. Uh, currently, we're falling about Ooh, ten thousand short, but we're getting yeah. there. And uh, and uh, of course, the uh, Roland du Chatelet, who's uh, had 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 his critics uh, over One or his, two. yeah over a, over his time at the club. So um so yeah, we found we found out there was a, a meeting. I got to work worked a couple of my contacts um, just to find out if if anyone if anyone I knew was there and and, and if they could tell me uh, what was going on. And um, I, I, a, I spoke to a couple of people. One one of whom was a. Uh, uh, it's going to remain anonymous, but was happy to to, to tell me what happened during that meeting. The, I mean, the, the thing I found interesting was the fact that the uh, the Target Twenty K committee were asked to stay quiet and to not um, announce about this meeting or what had happened in this meeting until after the club had gone through and, and written it up and, and put it out there. Which for starters, I mean, if you're looking for open communication, a secret uh, a secret meeting with a certain select group of fans, which then those fans are told they're not allowed to talk about. Until until the club have put out their version of the meeting, that's that's not the way to go around things in my book. No, it just sums it up, doesn't it? Really, you know, sneaking back in, meeting with only a select group of people, waiting for it to be published on official channels. Obviously, they can then tailor it and doctor it how they need and how they want to make it look. And yeah, it's not the way you want to go. The whole thing has been about communication. He even said apparently in this meeting that he admits communication has not been great, and this is a perfect example of it carrying on you know you could have 
could have announced the meeting. I'm not saying you, you can invite anyone in because obviously he, I'm sure he knows what would happen in that scenario, but could be a bit more open about it, you would hope. Uh, so I got um, I got my source. It was uh, giving me a, a couple of snippets of information. And I checked they were happy with uh, for me to share this information. Um, and and it goes forward. so I mean the, the, the standout one for me was um, uh, my source uh, telling me that uh, Ro- that Roland was asked why he doesn't seem to spend as much time with, with Charlton. Yeah. And, he, and uh, my source uh, told me that he he doesn't commit as much time as he could. As apparently Charlton only equate to about one point five percent of his income slash resources. So I mean obviously the the actual definition of income and resources are obviously wide yeah. open but effectively what Roland was saying that uh this is 1.5 percent of his empire that, yeah. that's as much as it means to him unfortunately and, and when you compare that to what it means to us and to the fans out there I mean it, it sort of makes sense as to why as to why we feel like we've been a bit neglected if this if, if it is like his massive multinational companies with all sorts of different things we're we're just basically like not that important are we yeah there's a there's a few things on on that comment really first of all it comes across as a massive put down whether whether he meant it that way or not or whether he simply meant in a business sense this represents that small portion and that's why i don't spend as much time for it and you know other places represent 40 or 50 percent of my income and that's where i spend my time logically that makes perfect sense i understand that but to a group of passionate fans that aren't customers of a business they're fans of a football club it just comes across as a massive put down um i think secondly the the reference of the percentage he knows he knows about the whole two percent and how <laughs> the fact that two percent has become a thing however he chooses to see that however Katrian chooses to see it and however the fans choose that he's aware that this two percent has been going around for a long time i'm not saying he's specifically chosen that as a dig but the fact that he has said that you would think he would recognize again that that's going to get picked up on um and the third thing i really think is that if that is the case and we are just 1.5 percent of his empire and you know we're just this little tiny thing on the corner of this massive empire he's got then why is he here what's his plan you know it's the same question again what's he doing with us why does he want us because it makes it sound like we're just a plaything for for him really and we we don't matter financially he's just gonna have his way you know until we break and then he'll move on and buy something else and that's the thing that's most worrying i think because over the past few months and with all the protests we had towards the end of last season i think fans felt they were making headway in you know, we were going to get this club back and I still believe we will and we will beat them but it, it sounds like he's perhaps going to be sticking around a little bit longer than we hoped. <laughs> yeah, uh, as, as you say with the, uh, the the fact that we seem somewhat insignificant to him, I mean... The the way you the way you uh, after that comment the way the way you have to choose your words in any any meeting no matter who it is I mean this this is football if you're having a secret meeting it's getting out there yeah. you know people will speak to yeah. journalists people will speak to other football fans people put on the forum you, know, you have to choose your words so carefully and that that, that doesn't see, it doesn't feel like what that was what happened there really no and it's not like he's had no you know experience of this he knows that everything that Catrian has said in previous things has been picked up on. He hired a PR person to sort all that out, then fired them and then released his own statement on the website. You know, these things have happened. Uh, so he knows that things get picked up on. He knows how the fans are reacting to things. That statement that, that was posted on a website, presumably by by him, that came as a result of the protests and him getting presumably frustrated with, with the reaction of fans. And that got picked up on. So... You know, he's got experience of this. He knows what the Charlton fans are like. He knows how much we care about the club. So to just come out with, as I say, something like that, it's, it's a word we use a lot about Catriam. We've used the word naive. 
it's not necessarily out to specifically criticize or anything like that but it is naive and it's going to get picked up on and that's exactly what's happened again there was um some other comments that uh that i was uh, i was told that were said as i was told that um uh, Roland uh, Bizarrely, uh, this is the, the the source saying that uh, talked about how rugby fans make a day of it, and he likes the setup yeah. of fans mingling. So I mean, that, that's obviously we, we know that Roland's talked a lot about the match day experience and that yeah. sort of thing. He's obviously talking because because then I, I then asked my my person like, well, what, what did he say about football? Because that is still yeah. <laughs> that is still generally the reason I come down down channel is trying to watch the you football. You don't come down here for rugby. No, <laughs> you know, Blackheath for that and. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was told that Roland's uh, on football, he didn't say too much. Uh, he said, we're unlucky to lose on Saturday and certainly not looking to sack Ro- uh, Russell Slade, which is good. Good. <laughs> uh, the fact that obviously someone had to ask that, someone asked that yeah. question, I'm guessing. Um, apparently, Roland said that the usual, uh, said the usual that mistakes had been made, etc. Very open about that. Uh, my source added, and then uh, then I asked asked this uh, this person uh, was Thomas Dryzen brought up the Phantom Underpants Scout Man, mm. uh, and. Uh, uh, the, they replied, yes, he was brought up to uh, Katrine, answered in a way that suggests he's still involved as one of the many scouts, but that R- uh, Russell Slade has the final say on transfers. And uh, we'll, we'll come to the club's response to, to, to the, the meeting later, and that, that, is, uh, that is confirmed. I mean, everything, everything that, that my source told me was has pretty yeah. much been confirmed, although slightly different wording, obviously, on the, uh, the club website. Uh, he finished. Uh, the meeting generally seemed to go well. He even wrote down some notes uh, when we explained why we were doing it, how long we've been fans, etc. So, I mean, the the I guess some members of the Target Twenty K felt that that things went well and and this was a positive meeting. I mean, mm. it's hard to say when you're not there, but when, when you see the reaction to to the, especially the one point five percent quote, which was. The most painful. I mean, that, to be honest, when I was being given all these information, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with it until the 1.5% quote yeah. came out. I was like, right, <laughs> let's go to Twitter. Exactly. Because then that, that needed telling. Yeah, and it's immediately going to become a thing because we were the 2%. Are we now the 1.5%? You know, it immediately lends itself to, to Card and the protesters and the campaigns against him to, you know, to have a new avenue. Um, I think on, on the football thing and him not discussing that too much, it... It comes across ever since he bought the club, really, that football, that what happens on the pitch is just a vehicle to his money, really. He's, he, all he cares about is is what's happening in terms of, of the financials and whether we're a success or not in that sense. I don't think he's that worried about the standard of football, what league we're in. You know, If he was making money in League One, which I know he's not, but if he was, I don't think he'd be that fussed about whether we're doing that well or not. You know, you see Mike Ashley in the Premier League, well, back when they were, he wasn't that fussed. So long as he had a manager keeping them stable in the Premier League, he didn't really care. He had no ambition. And it it just comes across like that, really. But, um, yeah, just in general, I think, I don't know, I don't want to criticise Target 20K, really, because the group is set up with with quite a good initiative in mind in terms of building the, the fans and getting that group back together. But we're so far away from that now. It's almost, it's a bit of a redundant concept at the moment because there's other things that need to be focused on and I just wonder you know exactly what that group are able to do at this stage as I say I'm not looking to criticize any of them in particular I'm sure they've got their reasons for being on it but it doesn't really seem to serve its purpose just at the moment because that's not something we need to focus on what we need to focus on is but well for a lot of people getting rid of Roland but if nothing else just pulling all these fans back together and making ourselves a proper club right so the, the club uh, as predicted responded to the uh, the meeting themselves on on the website today uh, we're told that um, uh, Roland uh, thanked Target 20K for their hard work before answering questions. Members of the Target 20K 
uh, group had about the club. Uh, it says the below provides a top line summary of what was discussed in the question and answer session. It says Du Chatelet said he runs many businesses, and while he watches Charlton games from abroad, he leaves the day to day running of Charlton Athletic in the hands of Katrine Mayer, Russell Slade, and the club's senior management team. So obviously that's a slightly different take on the yeah. uh, you're just like the the dust on my shoe, which I've gaffer taped. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, you're 1.5% of my bothered. Um, yeah. A slightly different take on it. I mean, when, 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 you, when you read it that way, then that's sort of, they've obviously worded it a bit better than, than Roland perhaps did. But it's, it still does sort of, comes back to the fact that, well, you know, we want an owner who's here thinking everything about the club. We know, we know you've got a CEO running it, but with, with all due respect, things haven't gone too well yet. I know, I know uh, hopefully Russell Slade is, you know, taking over really charge of the, as, as many things as possible here at the club and, and trying to turn things around but yeah. you know, the, the best way for a club to run surely is a, an owner a single minded owner who's only really you know, concentrating mainly on the club maybe, maybe he's got other irons in other fires but you know, he's giving a lot of time to the club and we're all pulling together in one direction sort of thing because you know, Roland's made decisions like, if Roland's saying oh he's hardly here it's only 1.5% of his time he's made, he's made some big decisions for this club about managerial stuff about you know, he, he's the man with the purse rings when it comes to signings in the end so yeah. you're either part of it or you're not if you're only going to if you're only going to step back and say oh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll stick my head in every other Tuesday yeah. then, then do that don't, don't be part of this big decision making thing it doesn't make sense that's why it comes across as almost a toy uh, you know and I think this, there was a song wasn't there by the by the protest group that we're more than just a toy but that's how it seems to him it's almost like he leaves it to these people and they ring him up and basically ask him for money and, and he goes yeah go on then if if he wants to or, or no I'm not going to and like you say we need an owner that, that cares he, he has no idea the amount of passion and heart some of these fans put into the club not just now but back in the day we've been over it again and again and again how much these fans have saved this club before and you know to to if he surely he knows those stories surely and those people invest so much of their lives people who who have long gone people who haven't even been born yet are gonna you know invest so much of their lives into this club because we're not just customers we're fans we're passionate fans you know, if you become a Charlton fan, the majority you're going to stay there for life, whether you, you know through the hard times and the good times. And to then have an owner that comes in and goes, "Yeah, well, you know, you don't really, you're not that important to me. I leave my running to to other people." And I note that he sort of tags Slade onto that comment, but basically he leaves it the running up to catch in. And I know Slade's done his best to to pull through, and I think we're all grateful for that. But you know, she's still the CEO. She's in charge as uh, this side of the water. Hmm. Um, Overseeing the Pilates class we're all doing today. That was a so strange here, one. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just so frustrating because like you say, you want an owner that can take care. You look at someone like Middlesbrough. Their owner doesn't get in the headlines a lot. He's not a massive name, but he's just going about his work as a fan of that club and look what he's done for them. And those fans have, I know a couple of Middlesbrough fans, they've got nothing but positive things to say about him and, it's just so frustrating that we've we've fallen so far away from that, and it doesn't sound like Roland's in any hurry to change anything from his point of view. Yeah, and uh, perhaps uh, backing up that that feeling that you know, whereas some things have changed with the, the lights of Slade and the, and the the better British players that are coming in, Thomas Dryson still part still part of the club. Yeah. I mean, it's the the way that my source explained it to me. He said that Katrina answered that question, but sort of tried to answer it not too directly. But it's been now confirmed on the club website. Thomas Dryson is a part of the club's ex- uh, extensive scouting network. But the manager Russell Slade very much has the final say on transfers and match day selections. So why, why is he there then? Because yeah. surely Russell isn't going to pick any of the players that Thomas suggests. So if that's going to happen and Russell has the final say, why is he even there in the first place? Mm. 
I, I just don't get it. And again, it's got that feeling of a toy because this, this kid's come along, he's emailed him about his stats and Roland's gone maybe fairly originally, yeah, let's give him a chance. Why is he still kind of going along with it? Why is he still allowing it? it, it it's been proven not to work. If Russell has the final say, Russell's not interested in it. Russell can bring his own scouting network in. Just get rid of the kid. He doesn't need to be here. He's, he needs no involvement in this club. He didn't need any to start with, and somehow he did. But now, just just get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and yeah, like you say, just another thing that kind of adds to that that feeling that he's. There are some of his methods that just aren't going to change. Yeah. Uh, AFKA Bartram Danny on the the Charlton Live forum uh, says hi Charlton Live. Please tell Roland to leave in, in not so many words and then uh, Soapy Jones says hi Charlton Life Soapy from Medway here I wonder if you could uh, relay a message to the management of Charlton you are rubbish thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah keep your feedback coming in don't forget you can tweet us at Charlton Life this evening you can email us studio at charltonlife.co.uk if you want to come up with any uh, any points Ashley Peters has said that she needs to make sure she's uh, on the earlier earlier train home next birth so she can listen to Charlton Life without tunnels and bad signals so don't forget you can listen to Charlton Life on the go on the TuneIn app uh, we had an email earlier from Rob Snow he said the latest attempt at positive communication for the club following RD's visit feels so insincere and half-hearted answers that are carefully worded and vague show that there is still a real lack of desire to truly connect with the fans do you guys believe there is a genuine desire by uh, Roland and Katrine to rebuild trust or is it just a PR damage limitation exercise mm, the second one I think but it's just a personal point of view obviously I don't know I have no insight but that's the feeling I get. He's he's obviously done this interview on the sly. He came over last was it earlier this year and did an interview with the press, but it was select. It was just Rich, wasn't it? I think, yeah. and it was a one on one interview. You know, I think he's probably well aware that a lot of the stories that happened, especially towards the end of last year, have made national news. And I'm sure there would be journalists in the sporting world that would happily sit down with him and ask some questions from the larger papers and and that sort of thing. But it's just not going to happen because. I think he's too worried about about what's going to come out because I, I think he knows as well as we do that he's not just not really fussed about the club and I I don't really see how he's going to make it seem like he is because everything that he says nothing or sorry nothing that he says really reassures me that that he cares that much about us so as I say I've got no insight into it at all but from my point of view I only see it as a as a PR thing I don't really see it as a, a genuine attempt to to sort communication out. It's funny enough because one of the points that the, the club on the website is Du Chatelet said that the club's communication had been poor during his time at the club and required improvement. Now, if if if, if I had a pound for every time I'd yeah. heard that, you know, I, I wouldn't have had to go at the eight pound megabus to come for <laughs> on, 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 on Tuesday, would I? I mean, how many times have we heard that during this? And and as pointed out by numerous people, I think you've already mentioned it once. I mean, Joe Hall picked it up. Uh, journalist Joe Hall on Twitter earlier is like this: a man saying he's going to improve communications, who hired a head of communications and then went over her head to release that crazy, crazy statement back yeah. in what March time, wasn't it? Where he, he accused the fans of wanting the club to fail. I mean, it's, 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 it, it feels like a case of the saying one thing and doing but another. It, it, I don't, I don't get why you would keep saying it because all you're doing is admitting your mistakes. If every month or every couple of months, him or Catrian has a Q and A session or one of these things, and they come out and say communication's not good, everyone who's there is well within their rights to go. Yeah, but you said this a month ago, and a month before that, and a month before that, and a month before that. And if you're having to say it that many times, then all it shows is that communication's not improving. Either just admit that it's rubbish and it's going to stay that way, or do something about it. Because, like you say, they brought in that that head of PR, and that was supposed to be changing it around, and then they realised that what better communication meant and then they pulled the plug on that as well so it's just it's so frustrating to hear the same stuff over and over again it doesn't feel like we're getting anywhere with him and 
And th- this, as I say, this meeting represents that again. The fact that he's come over on the sly, he's sneaked in, he's met with specific people. That's poor communication as well. They could have, you know, you don't have to invite anybody else, but they could have announced it. But again, they're probably out of fear of what Card or, or certain people might have done, you know, arranging protests or even just being around the ground. He doesn't want to be seen like that. He doesn't want journalists picking up on it. He wants to be able to just get on with it his own way. And that's not the way to run a football club. But, you know, nobody needs me to tell them that. I think we're quite <laughs> aware that that's the case. Yeah, email in from Mark Wilson says, Dear Charlton Live team, uh, the people who are running Charlton cannot see how poor their actions are and therefore they surely don't care. There are three standout items from the meeting that was announced. Despite the fact that Katrine Mayer told fans that changes will be made, Thomas Dryson is still part of the scouting network. This clearly demonstrates they have not learned the appalling lessons that should have been learned from the day Turam entered Sparrows Lane and asked to meet Chris Powell. Uh, number two, Roland de Chatelet thinks he can adopt some of the very uh, some of the social viewing styles of rugby, meaning that the match day experience of watching Charlton and watching rugby can be made similar, despite the fact he has no experience of either. Uh, <laughs> number three, ninety-eight point five percent of Roland's time is spent not bothering about Charlton. These will be the things that they, that will be remembered, and for that reason, it was a hopeless, naive ex- exercise by a regime that has utterly lost control of the shape, future, and dynamic of the football club. In short, they don't know what they're doing. In addition to the three main points, is there anything else that anyone will remember from the meeting? It's this. The wash hand basin that had nearly been fixed since the, since late last year is still nearly fixed. <laughs> Charlton, however, isn't. That's from Mark, a very, very exasperated fan from 7X. So we've been talking about there the meeting between Roland du Châtelet and the Target 20K uh, committee last night here. Uh, well, I think it was at Sparrows Lane. Uh, we've uh, thank you for your views. We're going to have a quick break now. We're going to listen to uh, the highlights from a Tuesday night's game against Scunthorpe. Cousins. Lovely ball into the park for Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the Vinicaine! And there's a goal! Charlton have the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson that rolled it out to Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the park of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide rule ball across the penalty area picked out Vinicaine, who buried his chance, and Charlton a 2 1 up. Shout and lie. Sonny takes over. Falls back a little bit. A little ball infield. Lovely little one-two. With Wolverstad uh, ball into the box. Clear away by Lookman. Is Lookman on the edge of the penalty oh. area? Just uh, important tackle from Holmes to stop Lookman pulling the trigger. Morris will find Bishop and then it's uh, swung across to the opposite side and to Folo. To Foley into Holmes. Being forced out by Cross, back to Bishop. Bishop uh, low ball into to Foley. It's a shot turn coming in, a snapshot at that. Coming in from Josh Morris, which uh, looked to have evaded the outstretched hands of Declan Rudd, but uh, also evaded the left hand of Host. As Morris has gone down to the right hand side to take a left footed in swing delivery. He's played it short to Holmes. Looks at the give and go with. Morris, Morris goes for the near post shot. It's cut out by Rudd, almost caught him out. Declan Rudd was aware of it. Little chip ball forward, finds Allstead, who brings it forward for Charlton. Now McGuinness on the edge of the penalty area, looks right for Solly. Solly cuts back to Jackson, who's cutting on his left foot, will look for the cross. And it's headed forward it by Allstead, just gone wide. Took a deflection on the way. 
Priscilla takes a touch, chip ball forward, looking for Foley, controls it. Closed down by Wallace, who's forced wide. It's a good ball inside, though, towards Solis in the penalty area. It's oh. a ball, cross goal, and no one was there. Oh, superb cross, that one. Criticised the last one, that was brilliant, but nobody there. Comes to Fox, good ball in again. McGuinness gets his head oh. on it and goes wide. There's another good cross from Morgan Fox, and McGuinness rose well and looked like he might have got it on target, but just dragged his header wide. Fox cuts inside into traffic and it's deflected off Dawson. Fox still battles and oh, does well. He finds Johnny Jackson, he passes inside to Fox again, takes a touch, will oh. go for goal. It looked like he might have taken a deflection, but he didn't. It's just a wayward shot in the end from Fox. Now Bishop brings it forward into Charles' half. Good pressure from Bauer on Madden, but he falls to Bishop again, advance forward. Bishop goes for goal, but it's cut out by Rudd. He looked for the far corner there, Neil Bishop advanced forward. Difficult opportunity to get a real shot away, but he did so. Rudd was able to cut out with ease. And there's the half-time whistle. Charlton have had a fairly decent first 45 minutes, certainly for long periods of it. Fox crossing opportunity, looks for McGuinness, it falls for Jackson. Oh. It's a good touch, but it's cut out, comes to Overstep in the extra box. Loops towards goal, it's easily caught by Daniels. There's a great tackle in there, I think from Wallace. Jackson had a chance to control. The first touch from the skipper was just a little too heavy, and by the time he'd uh, tried to get back on it, uh, Wallace had, uh, had got across. Solly, good ball inside to Foley, looks at the give and go, it's a little bit heavy, but Solly will have it again. Solly, good ball into the box, over the head of McGuinness, Jackson was running in, comes to Overstead, goes for oh. goal! Saved by Daniels, it was a good connection from Overstead, who had more time than realised. Solly is there. Goes back to Dawson, picks it into Van Veen, who gets a touch, and that's an important tackle from Pierce. and it cannons off the Dutchman and goes out for a Charlton goal kick. Yeah, great tackle from... Pierce is a good first touch from Van Veen in towards the penalty area and Pierce had to get a touch onto it and it deflected off Van Veen Charlton a bit lucky that the ricochet didn't go towards goal lovely ball Overstead, lovely ball from Overstead out to Morgan Fox on the left crossing opportunity gets the ball in the box it'll drop to Bataka oh. over the bar with a goal gaping at his mercy That's and the substitute has put it over the bar there's a difficult one though Terry it's a good ball in from Morgan Fox it just bounced up for Pataka who controlled it with his right it's sort of a half volley in his left foot it's an awkward one he's, if he hits the target it's, it's more than likely a goal he's blazed it over to Mantum Mantum tries to pick out uh, Adelaken on the Charlton left he cuts back inside he's in the penalty area shooting oh, opportunity block. superb block by Pierce. so that uh, left hand edge of the goal is gaping for the skipper who's standing over the ball now. An angled run into this left-footed free kick as we wait for the whistle. Some argy-bargy in the wall. He's done it before, Jacko. Left-footed, Johnny Jackson steps up, takes a shot, oh, off the post. post! Off the left-hand edge of the post and out for a goal kick. Oh, it looked like it was creeping in for a second. I think it just bend, the little bend right at the end. It's the post, he's given us a goal kick, so the goalkeeper definitely didn't give anything on it. I thought that was going to have the winner here. That's no chance whistle. to take it as the final whistle goes here at Glanford Park. It's finished all square. Scunthorpe United nil, Charlton Athletic nil. But it uh, doesn't tell the story of the game really. Charlton with plenty of opportunities. There we heard the highlights from the, the goalless draw of league leaders Scunthorpe United on Tuesday night. Uh, and, well, if you hear, you hear from the highlights, we came very close to winning it, and I think we could have argued we deserved to win that game. Yeah, I listened on the radio. It was a really sounded like a really exciting game. Um, 
commentators were saying Rudd didn't have a huge amount to do really. Um, it sounded like we were the better team. But obviously, you hear in the highlights there, we created a lot of chances. You know, they'd they'd scored I think twelve goals had they at home and they won all three games and so yeah. they were you they're, know they're on a seven game winning streak at home at the end of last season as right well, so. yeah so a real force at home so I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people around that go you know a team like Charlton shouldn't have to play a team like Scunthorpe but that's where we are now and we've gone to the league leaders who've got that fantastic record at home and we've not only held them but we arguably could have got the winner and obviously Jacko so close at the end there so. Yeah, a definite after the disappointment of the weekend, I think a definite building block, and we've got to make sure we carry that into Saturday now. Yeah, it was so important to react to that that game against AFC Wimbledon. I certainly think we did. I think after after maybe ten minutes took us to get going, then we the, the, the remainder of the first half we were well on top. Second half uh, it was quite quite open in the second half, but we were definitely the better team. And I so said we saw that that excuse me that Jackson free kick that hit the post towards the end. But I mean Jordan Botarker had a great chance, and there's one at the start of the second half where a free kick was floated over. And didn't quite reach. Um, uh, Jason, I think Jason Pierce at the far side, but, and then down the other end, uh, other end, Jason Pierce made two exceptional blocks. Uh, Patrick Bauer was uh, was back and playing well. You know, these these are all signs that you know Bauer coming back, chances being created. We just you know we we feel like we're getting closer to being where we should be. I mean, we, we've only won twice this season. That's that's what we've got to remember, and, and we need to start. Uh, uh, turning results into uh, performances into results, but you know you, you have to try and take heart from from what was a really good performance. Hundred percent, you do, yeah. And knowing our luck, it we chant the gun and then throw it away at Oxford at the weekend. But um, yeah, I thought you talk about Bataka there. That was one of the nice things to see because one of the things we were quite critical of on Sunday show was Slade not really making any sort of attacking changes. I know he did like for like with look um, uh, Novak coming on at the weekend, but. To bring Botarka on just shows, you know, and I I actually wanted him to start as it was he came on, but he had a couple of chances near the end, and that's the sort of attacking threat we need because, as we said on Sunday, you know, we're going to get to a point where we don't want to just not lose games. We want to go and try and push for winning games, and that's the sort of change that will do that. So I think Bauer coming back as well is obviously fantastic news because we know, you know, he's a massive favourite with the fans, and he, you know, he was a rock for us at times last season, and. Konza, I've got absolutely nothing against Konza. I think he's been fantastic and arguably one of our be- better players. But I think he did need a rest. You know, he is still young. And we've seen with the likes of Carlin and Joe Piggott over recent seasons, we don't want to just blood these youngsters and force them to play game after game. So to have that strength in depth at that position that he can just slot in instead is obviously very reassuring. You're going to be hyper, hyper, hyper critical, which let's play devil's advocate here. Would you be tempted to have bought Botaco on a bit? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Earlier, I think came on with about eight minutes left, and he had 
played a part in a chance and had his own chance for Scotland. You know, you, obviously, if you get if you bring on an attacking sub, you you risk opening yourself up for Scunthorpe to try and push home for themselves. But you know, he, he made a bit of a difference in the time. What if he was on for another ten minutes? Would that would, might that have made a difference? Possibly, yeah. I think as, listening to the commentary, as I say, I know we were creating a lot of chances, so. You could look at it either way. I think you could argue that Russell could say, "Well, look, we're creating chances without him. I'm happy to just give it, and I don't want to. I do want to protect our goal at the same time." Or you could think we're creating all these chances, but not quite getting that finish. Let's throw some new blood on there and see if that's the difference that will, you know, change a, a goal-bound shot to an actual goal. So I see it from both points of view. I think you know he has been accused of being too defensive in the past, and I don't. I don't think we can give him that just because he's brought this player on late myself but um, yeah as certainly a point of view that, that many people might have Right let's hear what Russell Slade had to say uh, later on in the show we've got a couple more emails and, and tweets about the uh, the meeting between Roland and Target 20k if you want to get anything in email studio at chatonlive.co.uk you can tweet us at chatonlive but this was uh, Tuesday night after the, the goal of straw with Scunthorpe United Russell Slade came out to, uh, to tell us how he viewed that one Russell goal of straw with Scunthorpe tonight what did you make of that? Um I thought it was a really solid performance. I thought we created a few openings um, more than them. I thought we took the ball really well, played some good football, um, but we didn't quite get the goal that perhaps we deserved. It was it was a really solid away performance against a, a free scoring side. You know they've they've hit Southend for four and Gillingham for five at home. They never looked like doing that tonight. So credit to my players tonight. I thought our attitude, mentality, and the way the, we move the ball on their pitch was excellent tonight. Came so close to winning it late on with that free kick from Johnny Jackson as well. Yeah, Johnny Jackson had a late chance. Uh, Bataka had a late chance over the bar. So we did we, we did create opportunities. Um, I thought we I thought we had a lot of ball in that first period without creating enough really there was only a couple of glimpses there was a header I remember a header that went past the post uh, and maybe one strike but we got more strikes off in the second period um, from, from some really really good intelligent play uh, You're forced to make a couple of changes today so you must be happy with how the the, like Bauer, the likes of Bauer slotted back in Yeah, no, no I was um, You know, I'm, we're up against um, two, two strong strikers for this division um, who, who have been a menace um, so far this season, and I thought that the, the two centre-backs did an excellent job on them. Uh, Ricky Holmes understands being missing out with back injury. Do you know if that's too serious at this time? Yeah, not, 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 not too serious, but certainly um, he, he wasn't in contention for tonight, and um, Lee Novak was, was ill, so they were two blows before the game, really. Um, but, you know, we, we tinkered with the shape again, but we'd done this in pre-season as well, where we'd gone 4-1, 4-1. Um, and you know it, it paid off. It paid off. We, I thought we we took real control in the middle of the park. I thought we were springing out wide, a um, little bit more composure sometimes in front of goal, and we might well have got um, a very important win. But look, I, as I say, we, we're learning. I think we I think we're getting better. Um, we're going to get situations like Saturday, which are obviously setbacks. Even though we played some very good football, attacking football. Um, but I, I, I think the signs are good. I think the signs are promising. Um, we just have to keep building on that. Yes, the, the way you reacted to that setback on Saturday and, and played well tonight must have pleased you. Yeah, yeah, we've come to what is the, um, you know, mathematically the best side in the league at this stage, and um, you know we've, we've well we've more than matched them, haven't we?
Yeah, he must be delighted, Russell, with the reaction uh, to the players, uh, especially when you consider a couple of injuries uh, faced with as well, to come to a side uh, like Scunthorpe, bring him the confidence uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. control the game for large parts. No, very good, because we, um, after Saturday as well, and, and you lose a couple of players and then the game comes quickly, sometimes it's good for it to come quickly, but in terms of preparation, you don't always have the time that you want. But we, did, we, we talked about it today, we had time at the hotel, we came up yesterday, um, we studied the opposition and the staff and we worked hard to, to come up with a game plan which we thought you know, may cause them a problem and we, we felt as if it did and I felt you know, before they made the changes late on in the game I thought um, you know, they, they'd run out of ideas really um, to hurt us. Fans might be <coughs> looking at the, the line-up at the beginning with Josh McGuinness playing uh, pretty much on his own up front uh, with the five-man midfield. You might be looking at it, I think it might be negative but it's not the way it panned out at all. No, 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 no. I, 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 I did very much the same last season um, up at Turf Moor against Burnley because um, these play very narrow their two wide ones play very very narrow and um, it's almost like um, your two centre, they've got the two centre halves, the two midfielders and the two wide ones are right in, in front of the two um, front men so it's important that we deal with that situation and then spring out from that situation and I thought we did but we're starting to spring out second half with Addy was getting turned and getting at their back four Exposing their back four very quickly, um, occasionally as well with with, with Jacko and, and Josh. You know, he's he's just so genuine. He's he's, he's played on his own up front before in Scotland and for his country, and um, you always know you're going to get a shift out of him. Overall feelings at the end, then uh, pleased with the performance, but uh, yeah, yeah, frustrated. Look, 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 the points are coming our way at the at, at the minute, and I, I think we. You know, we are still on an upward curve, but it still shows, look, we've still got more work to do. We've still got to improve, but um, we're going the right way. Johnny Jackson! It's Jackson! Charlton Live. From the home of time. time. This is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. We showed until the last second a good desire and they got rewarded for it. Uh, So they still, the whole team showed that they really want, really want, really want. Want, really, really want. Want, really, really want. Really, really, really if you want to be my lover. Oh, welcome, back to, welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. Getting ahead, uh, looking ahead to Saturday's game uh, with Oxford United in a minute. Now, I heard from Russell Slade there. Um, sort of, he sort of said towards the end, you know, the, the points haven't just come, they just haven't come over the last few games. For the, he, 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 feels, he feels we're on an upward curve um, and performances are improving. Do you, do you think that's fair? Or? But some people have been very, very critical of our start, and I don't think we've been as bad as that. It has been an OK start. I think we all said on Sunday that, you know, the top two has to be our aim. We have to aim to finish it up in those automatic promotion places. The start is not a start that suggests we're going to do that, but it's very early days. He's got a massive job on his hand to turn things around from how we were last year. And the performances, it does look like we're getting there, and the performances are coming, and we're still creating those chances, and... You've got to think at some point those goals will come and we'll, you know, we'll start to pick up wins instead of draws because we have been close on a few occasions now and 
we're still at that stage of the season where back-to-back wins will probably elevate us into the playoff you know, places well, quite easily. Something, so. something like five points off the autos. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's so tight. It's, it's a really tight division. It is a tight moment, division. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, I, th- I think we're, we're the sort of side, and from the character of, of those players so far, I think we're the sort of side that can get there. It is it's taking its time, and perhaps fans are, are getting impatient and want it to happen quicker than, than it is. But under Slade, I, th- I think we'll get there. It's got, to hap- it's got to happen sooner rather than later, you hope. Yeah. It's important, it's important that... You know, when it comes to that, that that magic twelve game mark, which Russell has talked about a fair few times, that we're in that top six. It's important that by the time that you know we've had that chance to gel and to get running, that we're that we're up near the end of the table that we want to get that we're going to be at, because that's when the table starts to to take shape. Uh, really, right? Um, I think we've just about got enough time to uh, hear from Kevin Foley. He uh, he came to speak to us after the game on uh, on Tuesday as well. He played in a slightly more advanced position than, than we used to see him, rather than sitting as a sitting midfielder. He's playing quite far forward. But also there was this one fantastic tackle he put in uh, towards the second half, and you'll find out that's actually why the reason he had to come off after this tackle was just as, uh, as uh, Scunny were bearing down into the box. Let's hear what um, Irish international Kevin Foley had to say after Tuesday's draw. Kevin, nil-nil here at Glenford uh, Park uh, against Scunthorpe, and uh, what's the overriding feeling of the, uh, the players? Uh, a good performance, but slightly frustrated you didn't get the win? Yeah, definitely. Obviously they're a good side, they're top of the table. Um, we've come here with a slightly different shape, and we've played some good stuff. You know, first thing we wanted was a clean sheet, which we got. But you know, we're a bit frustrated that we haven't scored. Um, we haven't probably hit the target enough. We've, build-up play was good, but you know, overall, I think we're happy with that, especially after the weekend's performance. Um, and it's something to build on. Did the players uh, come here with uh, maybe a point to prove, or uh, maybe some uh, scores to settle after after Saturday's defeat? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you know, we didn't want to be losing. You know, to our local rivals, Wimbledon, you know, like we did. And, you know, it was a disappointing performance all round. So the manager wanted a reaction. The players wanted a reaction. Um, and I, I thought we started the game really brightly today. Um, you know, but we could come up against a good side. And although I think we uh, edged it, um, you know, we can't be too disappointed with a point. You must be delighted with your own performance as well tonight. Uh, you're being asked to play in several different positions, yeah, yeah. but uh, a decent shift tonight. Yeah, I, I was actually. Um, obviously, throughout my career, I've probably played a few different positions. You know, right back, right midfield, centre midfield, and today was a slightly bit more advanced. Crofty sitting in there, um, and you know, I was just trying to get in the pockets and link up with Addy and and and, and Souls and a few of the boys. And I thought, you know, when when we play at one and two touch, we're a much better team. You know, when we when we go through the motions a little bit. Teams get teams can get back into position and set up against us, but I, I think if we can continue playing one or two touch football, uh, I, th- I think we'll, the results will come. Confidence must be uh, reasonable as well after coming to Scunthorpe, we were flying high at the top of the yeah. top of the table, so they'd have been a confident side. So to be able to come here and dominate uh, in large parts that we did must be good. It is good, uh, and obviously you know we're speaking to the coaches there. You know they've, they've scored a hell of a lot of goals in the last couple of games at home, um, so you know you know. When you lose a game, you need to go back to basics. And not only did we go back to basics well and keep shut them out, but obviously I think we've played really well tonight. And on another day, we, we, could, we could have grabbed all three points quite easily. Two really good chances near the end. Uh, John Botecco, the, the one, and then the, the skipper with the free kick. Has anybody been brave enough to have a dig at him for missing it? Well, a few of the boys would say he's got to at least worked the goalie there, to be honest. Um, He's, I was right behind it. Obviously, I come off at the end, and I thought it was in. He's, he's caught it clean, and Jordan's one as well. You know, he's, he's a goal threat, as he proved last week at Fleetwood, and um, you know today the ball just wouldn't come down for him. Um, but you know, it's all about being in the right place at the right time, and hopefully he will continue to uh, 
do that for us. Well, well played today and onward to, uh, to Oxford. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Yep. Cheers, thank you. You had one uh, moment in the second half where you had to make a really good tackle in the, in the penalty area. That uh, had to time that one just right, didn't you? Yeah, I was just speaking to Deck about it. He just said it was a good tackle and um, it was one of them where I, I could see it. Because he wasn't close to the ball, I thought he's not going to nick it and I'm going to give a penalty away. So I, I made the tackle and then uh, my whole body just cramped up. <laughs> so I, that's that's when um, I, I had to come off. And, uh, obviously, I've not, I've not had a game since the Southampton, which is almost a month ago. So just about getting, getting as, as long as I could out today and... You know, I was, I was pleased with my performance, but hopefully we can take it into the Oxford game. Uh, Russell was talking about seeing a, an improvement as, as games go on, you know, despite the, the setback against FC Wimbledon. Are you feeling that the team getting better as you go on? Yeah, I, I definitely think so, and I think tonight is a sign of that. And um, like I say, I think the key thing for me as a player, I think if we can keep it one or two touch and move it simply and, and quickly, then I don't think many teams will be able to live with us in the division. That's that's my own personal feeling. So, you know, we have to probably look back at this DVD on Thursday and Friday in training, see what we've done right and see if we can take it into the next few games. What's your personal feeling on, on what the target should be for Charlton this season? Promotion, I think, of uh, 100%. You know, even though... You know, we, we started a bit indifferently. Um, obviously, the, the the loss last week um, put a bit of negative spin on things. But you know, still the target is the same as we had at the start of the season. You know, we want to get promoted, and you know, a team like Charlton. I know it's a cliche, but you know, we shouldn't be down here, and we should do everything we can to to um, get this team back where it belongs. And you know, what I will say is, it's a great bunch of lads trying their best and working hard for each other. And you know, no matter what, how many setbacks we get, we'll, we'll always put a shift in and you know tr- try and do our best for, for the club. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Long back, Charlton Live here on Maritime Road. Just hearing there from Kevin Foley talking about that goalless draw up with uh, with Scunthorpe United up at Glanford Park on uh, on uh, Tuesday evening. Now, Glanford Park is uh, an area of Scunthorpe that I became quite familiar with. Uh, over an incredibly long <laughs> stay uh, over over the space of two days. So, so basically, I'm a proper cheapskate when it comes to uh, away days. And now, if I if I'm lucky and if I'm working for the BBC, I'll, I'll get I'll get travel sorted. But often, I know mid over, overnight get over like midweek games, they they tend not to uh, want to fork out for a hotel, so they get one of their own staff to do it. And um, so I just booked myself travel. Uh, and uh, the the cheapest way to do it was to get the mega bus. Uh, which was eight quid each way. It was a very good value. Bargain. Yeah, uh, but there was only two mega bus- buses that uh, that went to um, that went to Scunthorpe on the Tuesday. One of which didn't get there till wasn't due to get there till like five half five. And I was thinking, oh, say there's a delay or something, then you're due to miss. No, I missed the game. Miss the sights of yeah. Scunthorpe as well. And you missed the game exactly. So the other one was one that got there at like eleven thirty in the morning. So I think I left earlier for that for that midnight for that midweek Tuesday night game than I'd done for some away games on a Saturday. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, so um, I ended up arriving at uh, Scunthorpe Tesco's right opposite the stadium at eleven thirty. It was raining. Uh, I couldn't even check into my hotel until um, until I think three o'clock. So I had all that time to kill. So I was wondering what to do. I, I went down. I sort of sat and ha- had a moment to myself in Costa Coffee. I was like, what? <laughs> how can I make this day slightly more exciting for myself? And I thought, well, the, the people who know best about how to how to enjoy the y- yourself when you're in um, when you're in Scunthorpe will be the locals. 
And I thought the best way to find out about how to enjoy yourself in Scunthorpe is therefore to go out and ask the locals, get them to tell me what, what Scunthorpe's all about. And, you know, they, they, could, they could advise me how to spend my time. Uh, so, that's, so, so that's what I did. I, um, I got my microphone out and I, and I went into uh, to, to Tesco's car park and, and I just went and spoke to a local just to find out what's going on. Uh, and 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 they they gave me this advice for what I could be doing uh, throughout my eight hour stay before the game in Scunthorpe. There's still about eight hours till kickoff. I thought I'd take you round the town of Scunthorpe and show you a little bit behind what it's like life as a football reporter on the road. Everyone thinks it's glitz and glamour. It's really not. So let's find out what the locals can recommend for me to do in Scunthorpe. Joined outside Tesco by Catherine here. Catherine, what was Scunthorpe like to live in as a place? Um, it depends on, I suppose, the age you are. If you're young, um, going out to a few of the pubs, are, it's mainly on a Saturday night. Um, other than that... Not, not a great deal? No, not no, on no. going about, really, no. So I, was, I was hoping for some advice from a local because I've got about eight hours to kill before the game. What sort of things would, would someone like like me want to get up to in the town that's come for before the game? Um, on a nice day, <laughs> unfortunately today, uh, Central Park's normally quite good yeah. um, to have a wander around and there's a wooded area yeah. and further. Yeah. Well, I've been in the Tesco's, it's quite, it's quite a big one. Is, is, that, is that the biggest Tesco's in Scunthorpe? Uh, for Scunthorpe, yeah, we've yeah. got a big Tesco as the Morrison, so it, it competes. And everything seems to be sort of around this area? Um, this is a new sort of industrialised sort of shopping area. And the, the town that way? The town is yeah. straight ahead, yeah. Cool. So anything you can recommend in the town centre for me to do? Um, there isn't really a lot in the town centre, just a few shops. Um, Why I uh, I didn't particularly have a very good day in Scunthorpe. That, that the, all the locals could suggest was nothing. Shouldn't be on the tourist board, should she? No. <laughs> she, how long she lived there? Like five minutes. <laughs> so yeah, so I ended up just walking around Scunthorpe, literally doing nothing for about four hours before. I, before I, there, there was some excitement, so I walked into the town of Scunthorpe, which is actually about forty minutes away from. Uh, from where the hotel is and where the ground is bloody long walk that was uh, and decided to get the bus back because it couldn't be bothered to walk back and the bus went the wrong way so all the locals started <laughs> shouting at the bus driver that was quite entertaining uh, and then eventually just ended up uh, could finally check into my hotel room and uh, literally about 30 yards from the ground apart from going to Frankie and Benny's on my own twice which I did uh, in the in the <laughs> afternoon and the next morning uh, I just sat there watching come down with me till the game started it was entertaining for me at work just reading about it because it made me realise that my day at work wasn't that much better, uh, worse than the day of annual leave. <laughs> yeah, so. So there was two days of annual leave I wasted on that uh, to go and watch them draw nil. It was an exciting game, uh, but my advice to any of you going to Scunthorpe is just just pay the extra twenty quid, get the train, get there at seven forty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't twenty past ten. Don't hang around like I did. Right, we'll be back in thirty seconds. A couple more emails have come in. Uh, and tweets about the uh, the meeting between Roland and Target 20k. Then we're going to look ahead to Saturday's game uh, at the Cassam Stadium with Oxford.
Dennis is fed in, lovely touch. Goes round his player, chips across the box. Jackson! Oh, yes! What a goal by Johnny Jackson! Arriving late in the box, Holmes Dennis with a pinpoint cross, and the skipper's given Charlton the lead. Charlton Live. From the home of time, time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. That's very weird. Charlton Live. Welcome back, Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Ten minutes to go as we look ahead to Saturday's game uh, with Oxford. A couple more emails that came in. uh, One email and one tweet in regards to the uh, meeting between Target 20K and uh, Roland Duchatelet, which uh, we were talking about on Twitter last night. Uh, I had some quotes from a, a, a mole in the in the Target 20K committee, uh, and they very kindly gave me some some information on how the meeting went. Uh, the club responded today in uh, in how they viewed the meeting, and obviously the standout point is the fact that Roland said uh, Charlton are only 1.5 percent of his empire, if you will, yeah. uh, and therefore that's why he doesn't spend very much time with him. Uh, that's like that is pretty much like going to like your grandparents and say you know the reason I only pop down every few months is because come on yeah I've got, things, I've got other irons in the fire to worry <laughs> yeah. about isn't it I've got people that are going to be around longer oh. need more to me <laughs> so anyway so John Rolfe uh, emailed in uh, to react to what's happened over the last 24 hours or so uh, he says this is so depressing we have to hope that he dies because he won't be sending the club anytime soon tell the old Belgian man to go and buy a rugby club instead little rugby balls on the pitch anyone at the Rochdale game that's an idea for for card perhaps to chuck stuff mm. on the pitch. I mean, we haven't had anything like that this season. But uh... oh, it's been disappointing. We've seen actual football this season. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, no one's reacted well to, um, to 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 that meeting, have they? No, uh, and as we've said, uh, you know that frustration that was uh, you know as soon as you put that tweet out last night about the the one point five percent, people were all over it. As as I say, as you would you would think he'd expect, but um, obviously maybe didn't expect it to get out. But uh, yeah, people are going to react angrily. Um, um, from my point of view, rightly so, because you can't come out and say something like that as an owner of a football club. Uh, it's the same thing we've said for the last two, three years. You know, we're not customers. Whatever they think, we're not. We're fans. We care about the club. We invest a huge amount of our lives into this club, and he's not doing the same. And that's not really showing us any form of respect. There's one. There was one more thing actually that came out during the week, just before kickoff at Scunthorpe. So I haven't really had much chance to react to it because I was quite busy at the time. But Jim Dutton, uh, Jimmy Seed's grandson, yeah. has decided to. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what his involvement was, but he was trying. He was him in the museum. It says we're, we're trying to help uh, yeah. get the Jimmy Seed stand sign refurbished, and, and he's decided to sever any ties himself with getting it sorted. I mean, the club said today it's still going to be done anyway, uh, but Jim Jim decided to make a bit of a stand himself. And I don't know what your view on that one would have been. I think first of all, I think that whatever we think of of who's in charge of the club, I think it's great that they're still going ahead and revamping it because it does need doing and. You know, Jimmy Seed's an important man in the history of Charlton, and therefore, if his name's going to be on top of that stand, it deserves to be stood there proudly. Um, in terms of, of the decision for for is it his grandson to uh, yeah. to step aside? I think I read the statement. I think it's very honest. It's very frank, and I've got a lot of respect for that as well because he he's taken that decision based on what he thinks Jimmy Seed would want him to do, and. I completely appreciate that. As I say, I hope that the stand still gets revamped and the sign, you know, is able to sit proudly above the stand. But um, yeah, from from his point of view as an individual, I completely understand why he's done it. I think the statement was was strong and honest, and um, full credit to him as well. Uh, Jay Unsworth tweeted in earlier. He says, "How low do you think attendances will get before the club finally do something about the state of the club?" Mm, I don't know. I can't see them dropping a huge amount more, really, because I think. 
if people have bought season tickets this season, I think they're going to be at that core group that no matter how bad it gets, are probably going to be, you know, say for a couple of hundred maybe, are going to be there or thereabouts. Same with the walk-up fans, I think. You know, I think eight or 9,000, do we reckon, at most games? I know the attendance claims to be more, but I think that's probably more realistic. Mm. Uh, I'd be surprised if it dropped a lot more than that. Certainly, as much as we're in League One, if we drop down to League Two, then obviously that might be something different. But, you know, even if we were here, let's say we're here for another year, I would expect it to drop a little bit for next season. But, um, yeah, not hugely. But in terms of the club making any difference, I can't see it changing their point of view because... Roland's already said we're only 1.5% of his organisation and Katrien's come out before and said that the ticket sales are a small part of the club mm-hmm. anyway so it doesn't seem that they're that fussed about it at all which again leads to the question well why have they invested in this 20k group and why are they having meetings with them if they're not that fussed about us as, as customers as they call us. Right let's uh, let's turn our attentions now to this weekend's game Oxford United at the Cassam Stadium. Now every week we uh, we do a Charlton connection we find a player who's played for both uh, the Addicts and for our opponents that weekend. Now uh, we, we were struggling yesterday I mean we, yes, we, we, we have to go we, have, we generally have to go for players within our lifetimes because I mean how would we talk about someone we never saw play so um but even then we, we were struggling to find any good examples so we've ended up with two that you've picked yeah and uh they're, they're both absolute belters yeah so the first one we've got is uh Onome Soji nephew of Sam and Akpo Soji who uh apparently played for us Oh, came through our youth academy, scored 14 goals in 19 games in the 2003-04 Under-17s FA Premier Academy League. Uh, never played a senior game uh, and was released in 2006. What's he, he doing now? He then went on to play for Oxford only on loan, but played four games in 2009-2010 and scored one goal. Right. Um, he then, last thing we knew, he was at Nuneaton Town from 2014 onwards. Uh, and there's nothing more that Wikipedia is telling me about his, his life. <laughs> so, 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 so he might still be a nun eaten. Yeah, so he's not Oxford for us to give him a nice reception when we go Unfortunately on Unfortunately not, no. And, and now the, the second one, was now, th- now this was a proper one. This, this, this guy is almost qualified to be our, our manager, isn't he? Just about, yeah. <laughs> he's um, Chris White, uh, who, let's see, started as an Arsenal player. He's a defender, uh, played for Arsenal in 1978 to 1986, so eight years. 90 games in eight years, so what's that, 12 games a season-ish? Eight goals in 90 games, which as a defender isn't too bad going. Um, he joined us in 1996. We were one of three, four clubs he had that year, um, but that was after he'd had spells with New York Express indoor team and Los Angeles Lasers indoor team. Just like Nabosha Vignovic, who's an mm. indoor warrior. Los Angeles Lasers, he scored 27 in 77, which isn't bad going. But does that count? I mean, how big is an indoor pitch? I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, assume, yeah, he wasn't but just a defender it, for that. It was the fact that he, he then turned from indoor football and then he went back to active Yeah, football. and he, he went back to Leeds in the early 90s, when <laughs> they must have been quite a big club. Uh, scored 5 in 113 for them. Then Birmingham. So he was brave enough to venture outside again and, and yeah. play for some actual clubs. And then he joined us in 96, played 11 games and scored once. Uh, and then it's still in 96, he went to Detroit Neon, back to the indoor. Played four games for them before moving on to Detroit Safari Indoor. Presumably a local rival. Played 12 games for safari. them. Anyway, uh, anyway. <laughs> and then in 97, he then joined Oxford and played 10 games for them. 
and uh, the statue outside the Kassam Stadium uh, is a shrine to all Charlton fans, I'm sure, who are making the trip on Saturday. Now, you're one of the fans who are making the trip on Saturday. Yeah, a uh, away game for me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what sort of changes are you expecting? What sort of, what sort of line-up are you expecting from the Addicts? Um, I'd be, again, I know I, I was you know crying out for him last week. I, I think, from the sound of things, Russell, from his press conference today, is hoping that Holmes will be fit, but it's a, a back problem, so... Given that Bataka's played well in his last couple of games, I would still be keen to see him start. I think from the sound of things, McGuinness had a great game up at Scunthorpe, so I expect him to stay in. Um, I'd expect the back four to remain the same. So I think maybe, you know, Lookman, Holmes and uh, Bataka, there might be some swap in there. Whether a Jose comes back in, I don't know, but I wouldn't expect Novak to start either because Russell said in his, his thing today that he might be a bit weak because it was a bug, I think. So... You know, have him and Holmes on the bench, or bring them on if we need them. But hopefully, we won't need them. So, yeah, I think much the same starting eleven. You're looking at that Oxford team; they're just a, a point above us, two places above us. I mean, they're they're middling at the moment, aren't they? So, you, like we say, it's it's just that early season form. We can't really tell what to expect. Yeah, I um, think um, they started badly, but the last three games they're unbeaten. Um, they beat Swindon and beat Rochdale and drew with MK Dons. Um, they've got goals in them. You know, there's a couple of players on three goals already, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but it's early stages. Um, but yeah, I think we've, like I'm going to say, probably about every team in this league, we've got nothing to fear. We're one of the big boys in this league, so people are obviously going to try and step their game up against us. But based on what I've seen over the past five or six games, we've got more than enough to beat them, and we just need things to click. We just need that goal to get up and running, like we had at Shrewsbury. You know, we brushed them aside once we got that first goal. And if we can, then uh, yeah, we'll be on our way to three points. They haven't lost at home in the league uh, this season. They lost at home to Brighton in the EFL Cup. Um, so you know, we, we ended at someone else's uh, run at home, didn't we? Scum for it. So that's what we sort of have to aim let's for. Let's follow that up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, let's uh, let's have a quick prediction. We've only got thirty seconds or so. Uh, I better make it quick then, don't I? Um, two nil Charlton. <laughs> two nil Charlton. Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling I'm feeling positive as well. I think um, I think we're going to go up there. I think we're going to take it. Uh, by uh, two goals to one I'm going to okay. go for but that is uh, that is your big match preview here on Charlton Live Maritime Radio Tom thanks for joining us cheers Louis and I uh, hope you enjoy the game on Saturday I'll be up there as well cheering on the addicts uh, hope you guys will be as well thanks for listening to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio I'm going to hand you back to Maritime now let's hope that Charlton can uh, to earn those, uh, those uh, three points on Saturday see you later <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.